Welcome everybody to the Magic Beans podcast. We are back again for episode number 26. I am your host and my name is Shorty and we have quite a few beans here tonight. On the line with me I have Chewy. How you going Chew? I'm well, how are you mate? I'm pretty good. We also have Cracker. How you going Cracker? I'm good buddy, very well. That's good. And we have a blast from the past in Chris. How you going Chris? Hey, I'm doing well. Strangers. <laughs> welcome uh, back. Welcome, welcome to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Long time listener. Magic. First time. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, here you're, uh, you've been living the farming lifestyle, Chris, and you're, you're taking a, a leaf out of my paging, getting into raising chickens and things like that now in this uh, isolation that we're in. Yeah, just gone feral, grown a beard, got some chickens. <laughs> it's, it's all happening. I'm picturing you with like a piece of straw hanging out of your mouth. Yeah, I need to get the flannelette shirt and I'm there. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> I, ex- I, ex- I expect cowboy boots on Jenna next time I see you. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, this is not a farming podcast. This is a magic podcast. And as always- Sometimes. <laughs> sometimes, yes. As always, we have a ton of stuff to talk about. So- the first thing we thought we'd get into, which was something that was sort of sprung on us unexpectedly after our last podcast we recorded a fortnight ago, and that was out of nowhere, we have eight-man drafts or eight-person, eight-people drafts on Arena, which uh, we've all been clamoring about for, for quite a while, along with everybody else who plays Magic. We'd had enough of the bot drafts and we wanted the, the real experience, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere... It got announced and got released with the Ikoria update. So I haven't had a chance to uh, to get into those drafts yet, but I know Chewy, you've been uh, you've been doing a few. How are you finding doing real life drafts again? Yeah, we have been waiting for a really long time for these drafts, and I'm pretty excited by them. And it's a it's almost a, a brand new experience because on Arena we're so used to bot drafting and the bot sort of metagame where bots would just let whole archetypes go and you could get some busted decks and, you know, the the Gates deck in the Ravnica set. Yeah, dra- or the, drafted the a mil- lot of that one. Yeah, or the Mill deck in um, yep. in Eldraine where, you know, it was a bit, you know, it, was, it detracted from the overall experience, I think. It, w- it was exploitable. Yeah, that's right, that's right. But uh, what I've uh, what I'm discovering is... Uh, with Arena comes a lot of inexperienced Magic players, like players that only play on Arena and haven't really drafted much. So, yeah, sorry. Yeah, so are you, yeah. are you saying you're farming people? No, no, no. I'm not farming. Huh? Like, oh, yeah. I've you're, got, you're the one getting farmed. Uh, <laughs> nice. No, no. I've got a uh, my limited. Like I, I think I've gotten to. I think I've only gotten not gotten to the seven wins or the five wins, whatever it is twice out of like seven drafts or something yeah, but right. the the actual drafting experience is, is really different because there's you're like why am i getting a um you know fourth pick whatever you know like good removal spell or, or whatever but because people are you know excited about new mechanics and trying to force things so i think it'll it'll work out um i think by by the time a couple of weeks have passed the novelty would have worn off and the um the price of entry will force uh, a bunch of people out of the um, out of that drafting because it's you know it's, it's twice as expensive to enter a a real person draft than it is a bot draft. So it's a um, back to my win rate. I think I've not gone two <laughs> one or three zero only a handful of times. So 
But yeah, it's a. <laughs> uh, I've I've been doing bot drafts as well, and and, and doing. Well. I'm really enjoying drafting this set. Is is the uh, uh, the long and the short of it? It's it's really fun. I wasn't sure, as you know, people who listen to uh, the cast two weeks ago, I wasn't sold on this set. I didn't know how it was going to be, uh, but yeah, it's actually pretty awesome. I've occasionally had an opponent trying to have a companion and those restrictions in, in draft, which has been really interesting, uh, a bit of a buy at times, but there's uh yeah, it's been really fun. The set's really good. The, the mana's interesting in the deck, uh, in the, in your deck. And there's a lot of deck building challenges and cracking the code on when to uh, mutate something and when to just like play something as a, as another body. I think, I think that's going to take a while for everyone to figure out. Yeah, absolutely. And, and something I've enjoyed exploring and, you know, so many different situations and, you know, magic's such an awesome game with so much depth and nuance that, uh, every time that situation comes up, it's different. And, uh, I've really enjoyed that because it came, seems to come up pretty regularly. So, uh, I, I really do enjoy it. How, how have you found the actual like process of drafting on arena? Like you, you've done a lot of drafts on magic online and obviously you've done a lot of in person tabletop drafts. How does yep. the magic arena version of that? stack up to the others the interface is great uh it made, makes perfect sense for like like all things in arena there are some sort of superfluous animations that you know i've gone on record before saying that i just find them annoying i don't love them uh i, I if so, if my opponent plays a thassa i don't want to see the you know, Thassa animation, maybe the first time that Thassa's cast in a game, but, you know, not every time it's annoying. And you get a little bit of that within the draft where there's some, you know, some flashy bits that are just there for the sake of it. But, you know, that's grumpy old man me just wanting to play Magic. So uh, that obviously appeals to a lot of people. So I can get over it if it means that more people play play the, the platform. So, yeah, I, I think it's great. So, so true. What about the timing? Because the way that they've set this up is different, right? You actually get more time for like pack one, pick one. You get like 90 seconds. And then as you get further down the picks, then you have less clock to work with. Have you felt that at all? Does it feel different? Uh, I felt it in the first couple of drafts. Like that's normal. Like Modo drafts are like that and um, yeah, like at competitive real, real drafts. paper drafts are like that. Yeah, like paper drafts in a storm. You get less time? You don't get the same amount of time per pick? In a, in a cold draft, like at um, – well, the last cold draft I did yeah, was like short at Nats or, yeah, in um, in at uh, at GPs or, or, you know, that pro tour I went to. The <laughs> – and <laughs> I love that. I, yeah, I really enjoy the uh, the, the cold draft and it's, it's not – the same as being in a room with, you know, a couple hundred other magic players or a thousand other magic players with the called draft. But yeah, it's something that, it's something that I, you know, I kind of, I didn't even think about it, to be honest. It's just something that's always been on Magic Online. And, you know, by the time you get down to six cards in the pack, you shouldn't need the full minute and a half to go through them. Yeah, uh, you're pick, I did, picking pretty quickly by then. Yeah, I did need it by, you know, if, if with the first couple of drafts, because I still didn't know all of the cards. But, um, but yeah, now that I've drafted the, a few times and um yeah kind of got familiar and tested out a few archetypes which is um something i also explored and uh, had fun doing where it was a um it's like okay there's a cycling thing and this card does something when i cycle let's try to force that archetype or or it might seem open and um yeah i don't know what the best archetype is yet i haven't done enough drafts to figure that out 
you know, I've, I've had sort of Tima mutate and I've had blue white skies and I've had blue red spells and I've had, uh, red white, uh, cycling. So yeah, it's, um, it seems pretty diverse. The, the gameplay is great. And, um, yeah, I, I I'm going to enjoy drafting this format. Has anybody else done much limited or a, um, even a, a pre-release event? No, I don't, I don't think any of the rest of us have, have done it. I got my, I got my code. <laughs> I haven't used it yet, though. Yeah, I haven't cashed mine in yet. No, uh, I'm, 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 I'm planning on it in the next couple of weeks. But, yeah, so I was sort of doing fairly well on the standard ladder. So I wanted to keep playing standard at the moment. And I'll get into limited a bit later. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Well, but we, we might we might touch on that a bit more maybe in the next podcast and we'll delve into the once we've all had a chance to actually get right into it. We can maybe break down the limited format a little bit more. Okay, well, what brand new busted archetype are you doing well on the uh, on the ladder with then, Shorty? Uh, we'll get into that soon. <laughs> <laughs> we just we just wanted to run through for everyone because they've changed with the update. They've changed the structure of the drafts, and the first couple of times, like I, I went to go and do a draft, I was a bit confused as to which draft was which. So I thought it might serve our listeners well to have a bit of an understanding of what drafts they should be doing. So there's now three versions of, of drafts, which I think there was previously, but they've kept sort of similar names. So they, there's traditional drafts and premier drafts, which are the two real in-person eight-person eight drafts. And then there is the quick draft, which is the existing bot draft. So, Chris, do you want to give us a, a rundown on the costings and the price structure just quickly on the traditional and premier drafts? And then we can have, have a quick chat about those. Yeah, sure. So traditional draft uh, at the moment is 1,500 gems or 10,000 gold to jump in. I don't know if they're going to reduce the cost of that or whether that's going to stay like that. I'm tipping it'll stay the same. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Boo-hoo. That's fine. Just just win and you get your entry back. (laughs) Get good. So uh, traditional traditional draft is um, best of three. The price structure starts basically at a pack for a win and goes up to six packs and 3,000 gems for the full stack. And I think it's – how many games is it for – is it seven? Seven wins? No, it's just, just throw it three rounds for the traditional draft. Three, yeah, three it's just rounds like a draft if you were doing draft for FNM. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, three, yeah best of three rounds um, up to um, six packs, 3,000 gems for full wins. Um, Premier draft, which is more like the existing draft structure where you go up to the seven wins system, is 1,500 entry, 10K gold. So same entry cost, but you play up to seven wins or three losses, um, and it's a best of one structure. And you've got a slightly flatter prize curve on that, similar to what was existing. Um, and that starts with... 100 gems in a pack and goes all the way up to 2,200 gems in six packs if you take down the seven wins. Yeah, so the the traditional draft is the the analog version of of an uh, you know a real in store draft. You you draft with eight people, you play three rounds, they're best of three rounds, and the prize structure is quite top heavy. Whereas the premier draft is a little bit more casual. You're, you're playing best of one. And you've got more losses to give. You can get up to those seven wins, but you can also have up to three losses and, and still, you know, or get have two losses and still continue playing. So for me, I would more likely 
I'd be more likely inclined to play the premier draft. Uh, I'm not super confident in my drafting capability. And I think the top heavy structure of a traditional draft is probably not where I want to be at. Whereas someone like you, Chewy, I'm assuming you're doing a lot more of the traditional drafts where you're playing just the three rounds and best of three. Uh, a, a split between them. But yeah, I've, I've done, yeah, probably 50 50. And, and this is actually really similar to the way that it's been on, on Magic Online for a really long time where they had the, the eight four where if you made it to the finals of, of a draft, you got, eight booster packs and you got four for a second and you got nothing. It was, you know, single limb yeah. uh, or there was the four, three, two, two. So if you at least won one round, you'd at least get two boosters. So it's similar. Um, you know, there's parallels there and um, it's, it's good practice. Like if you, if you just want to play and collect the, you know, the packs and have a good time, you've got the, the quick draft option. Then there's the sort of the premier draft is your sort of intermediate where you, you know, it's, it's decent value. You know, you're, you're going to get uh, a slightly higher level of competition and then you've got your really spiky in your traditional draft. So I guess you can arenas catering for the full spectrum of magic player and their, their limited experience, I suppose. So. So for, for quite a few of our listeners, they are new to drafting and they've, they've never done it before. And the bot drafts were quite good for them because they could really take their time doing it. And there wasn't that that pressure that you get in the time draft. So those still exist and they, they are now called quick drafts and that's the same structure as it was before, but they, they have seemed to reduce the prize structure of that a little bit as well. So the, the cap out now on the, the gems is at 950 gems, whereas I think before you could get a bit more than that. It was 1100, um, wasn't it? Or something yeah, like something that. like that. Yeah. One thing I, I will say and something that, uh, for anybody who has, uh, a decent limited aptitude, you can run really well in traditional draft where, you know, I, I'm, I can't remember what my, my rating is. I'm sub like, you know, in gold one or something, but I will play against people from like low diamond tiers or even like gold fours, like the full spectrum, which tells me that there's a lot less people doing traditional drafts. But if you're, if you're up, they're in the sort of high platinums or diamonds or above, then there's a chance you're going to play people that are a lot lower ranked than yourself. So there is the opportunity to spike it there. But I don't know if many of our listeners are uh, in that space, but if you are, then, yeah, there might be an opportunity to, to spike a little bit there. Uh, I'm not at that point, <laughs> but uh, I think, uh, you know, you know, you see somebody with a, a diamond ranking and you sort of, you know, you go, ugh. You know, <laughs> like here we go, and uh, yeah, generally they're um, they're that higher quality player. But you know, that's how you get good, right? You play against people that are better than you. So that's right. Yeah. So if you're not confident with that, or you're not, you, that's not something you want to do, then stick to the premier or the quick drafts. Would be my advice. Yeah. So you can you can still do fine out of the quick drafts if you're following our advice, our previous advice on sort of turning your gold into gems. You can still do that pretty successfully in your quick drafts. Uh, you're still getting good value, even if you, you know, it's five grand entry still, even if you're getting one or two wins and drop, and then getting all your losses and being dropped out, you're still turning your gold into gems. So it's still worthwhile doing it that way if you're not a very confident drafter. But as you work your way up, you can get much better value by doing the premiere and then the, the traditional draft. So we may delve into actual drafting and, and the, uh, the limited archetypes and things like that on another cast if we, if we get a chance. So, 
Stuart, you were wanting to push me into talking about standards, so I thought I had a really good segue, that. but you know, you just shut me down. <laughs> so well, it wasn't, wasn't quite as savage as Cracker the the last time we recorded. <laughs> hey, now that was necessary. I'm, I'm still putting ointment on that burn. Just saying. I got, I got, I got one thing to say about this limited thing. So, actually, two things. One is, if you do quick draft against bots, you will only play against people who have drafted against bots. So there's yes. no mixing between them. So if you play traditional draft, you're only playing against people who've drafted in traditional draft. It doesn't mean it's the eight person pod. It's a league, so you can like take as long as you want to build your deck, and when you queue up, you can play a game and come back. So there's no pressure after you've done the draft part. But the bot drafters will always play against the bot drafters, and I wish. That the premier draft was only five k. Yeah, same. I I appreciate them having the the triple like the limited, you know, best of three, three games, super high value, spiky. You know, like that's traditional drafts. Like, go for it, make it ten k, and you know, you spike it and you get two free drafts out of it. Right, that's that's awesome. But this kind of mid tier, it feels like you're being punished for nothing. I don't understand why they've done it. Because Arena's been around a little while, it's been their premier platform, and everybody is invested now, and so now they can start driving up the prices. Sure, but I will play (laughs) two drafts for 5k each before I play one at 10. So the gold is just going to sit in my account, or I'll do bot drafts instead, right? And so they're they're actually getting less money from a lot of people, I think, because- you know, you hit 5K and you go, oh, just I'll, I'll do a draft, right? Why not? But 10 just, it feels like a big number for not a huge amount of payoff there. I don't know. Yeah, I, yeah. I agree. I, I I tended to wait until the drafts, you know, when they were gems only and then it would cut to gold once the set had been out for a few weeks or whatever. And they would always just be a 5K flat entry fee. And that's when I would jump in and, and draft a bit. But when they're a flat 10K, it kind of changes the scope a bit. So, yeah, I, I don't know. And no, I, I appreciate that they've got like they've got to make money. That's fine. Like I'm not trying to begrudge wizards of that. It's just that like make the the prize payouts flatter. You know, make it two thousand gems or something like that. I, I'm mostly interested in the experience rather than trying to. You know, I'm not trying to go infinite, right? But at the same time, I'm not trying to get just robbed. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I I agree with that, and I think that's a really valid point. And probably you've hit the sentiment of a lot of players on the head there you know it's a at the moment i'm just i'm excited still that there are actual proper drafts and you know we've seen you know the the magic fests and and stuff move online and this opens the door to have the sort of traditional structure of of player tours and you know mythic invitationals or whatever they uh they might be called at the time where you can have a mixed format you know, like Worlds last year or whenever it was early this year had a paper draft and then they had to, you know, transcribe their decks into Arena where now they could actually just do it all on Arena. So I'm still excited about that aspect of it where the, the platform's evolving and, um, you know, are going to allow that high-level gameplay. So it's, um, you know, w- when we watch those premier events, it's always a lot better to watch them via arena than it is via you know uh, a top-down camera uh, watching people shuffle their decks as they you know sideboard and such so yeah, yeah I, 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 i'm excited about that aspect of it yeah I'm, I agree. I'm, look it's a small gripe from me about costs but I oh, it's a valid one that, really valid no, I'm, I'm i'm legitimately pumped that we have like player drafts on arena yeah, before yeah. the end of the year like no one thought it was coming for like another six months so <laughs> like well done well done for getting it out 
Yeah. Awesome. And I'm, I'm sure they'll look at their data over the first couple of months or whatever, and if they go, all right, well, you know, traditional is pretty popular, the bot drafts are really popular, but the one in the middle, people just don't play, well, then they'll look at tweaking the numbers, whether it's on the prizes or the the entry prices or whatever. That's that's something they, they can very easily do, and, and I'm sure they'll monitor that sort of stuff. And then I can complain on Twitter that I've done X number of those ones and I should be refunded 5K for each one that I've done. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Speaking of complaining on Twitter, there you There's go, Chewie. You, complaint you, you got a segue there. <laughs> one, of the, uh, one of the biggest complaints we've been seeing on Twitter in uh, in the last week or so since Ikoria, Ikoria however we've decided we're going to say it's been released, Both. is Companions. So, uh, Cracker, I think uh, you're going to give us a bit of a rundown on how many companions we've been seeing lately. Uh, a few, yeah. yeah, There's yeah. Not, not all of them are seeing a lot of play, but, I mean, as I've mentioned before, I tend to consume quite a lot of magic content as well. I really enjoy just, you know, seeing people play the game in different approaches. So, I've seen probably everyone try and play all or most of them, but some of them are certainly seeing more play than others the couple that i've run into on the ladder have been garuda right because that one apparently just builds itself it came out pretty quickly and let me read garuda for people because why would you remember what that is it's called garuda <laughs> doom of depths and it's four uh, four generic and then uh two hybrid in demir so black and blue black and blue and it says it's a companion so it starts in your sideboard and you can reveal it at the beginning of the game that says, when Garuda enters the battlefield, each player puts the top four cards of their library into their graveyard. Put a creature card with an even converted mana cost from among those cards onto the battlefield under your control. And it's a 6-6. Six, six. So, the shell that people are putting this in is bent because, you know, that's just what everyone puts everything in these days. So, it's blue, green, and white, and they're basically just ramping it out oh the the constraint with garuda is every spell in your deck has to have an even converted mana cost so they're playing like charming prince and paradise druid and you know growth spirals and all those kinds yeah, of things and growth spiral into what's the the explosive vegetation with cycling out of the migration set, path migration path yeah so um you've got growth spiral and paradise druid into uh, on turn two Onto turn three, migration path. Onto turn four, play your companion. And so yep. the trick with Garuda <laughs> is <clears throat> you flip four cards from your both players' decks and you put a even creature, even converted mana cost creature into the battlefield. So they're playing, playing Spark Double and they are copying Garuda and then they're get, getting another, get another trigger. trigger. And then they'll get another one, or they'll get uh, a, a Charming Prince to blink it, or they'll get a Thassa, or, or multiple. And so, like, I have played games against it where on turn four they've cast Garuda, and they've started the turn with no power in play and ended with, like, 30. And you're just like, okay, <laughs> well, there goes that idea. So, that's one of the ones that I have come across. Yeah, I'm seeing a lot of that on ladder. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty popular. And- it's one of those decks that has those draws where it's just like, well, I, there's literally nothing my deck can do. Uh, I just die. So just like, well done, good game, and move on to the next one. Uh, <laughs> but then they have, um, then they have that sort of turn where you know they might whiff once or they they miss that turn to accelerant, and you know they they just turn into kind of a a clunky value mid range deck. But yeah, so sometimes at this turn four, turn five. 
uh, insane combo deck. Other times they're yeah they're a bit mopey, but uh, yeah, it's pretty pretty draw dependent. If you counter Garuda, they scoop sometimes. Just saying. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's, that's pretty. That requires you to play counter spells in your deck. <laughs> yeah. Why wouldn't you be playing counter spells in your deck? I've seen uh, I've seen a bunch of decks that it doesn't affect me too much with the deck that I've been playing, but with uh, Hushbringer in the main deck. So um, and. I can't remember who mentioned it in our, our Discord. It may have been you, Shorty, where um, seeing people main decking uh, Grafdigger's Cage. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. So, I'd, so I, I played against a deck today. Uh, I'll sort of touch on a deck that I've been playing. I've sort of brewed up a, uh, a mono black sacrifice deck. There's been quite a bit of, I've, I've seen on the ladder, quite a bit of either white black or black red sacrifice yeah. decks. And uh, yeah, a lot of them using uh, Lurus, the. Uh, the dog thing, whatever it is, hound, whatever. Dream den or whatever he's called. Yeah, yeah. that one. Yeah, just to uh, to bring bring back th- things from their graveyard. And I sort of had a look at that deck and went, you know what? It's I'm I'm not actually getting that much benefit out of Lurus. I'm just going to try. And also, I didn't have the wild cards for the the white black land, so I'm just going to try brewing up some mono black. So I've got a nice little brew that's uh, working off of the all the triggers for creatures dying like the uh, the three mana enchantment for when your creatures die you drain for one you're playing your your good old cauldron familiar and your witch's oven package so you can keep sacrificing them it's a good bit of fun and uh, yeah i come across today a deck playing main deck Grafdigger's cage and main deck ashiok and safe to say that my deck did not handle that very well so <laughs> it's the most <laughs> metagame deck ever I, yeah. I played against one yesterday that wouldn't let me cast spells not from my hand. It's a white creature. It's a 2-3. And right. I was playing mono red and it meant that I couldn't cast my creatures from adventure and I yep. couldn't light up the stage. Light up the stage. Two- yep. I couldn't, I couldn't kill it because it was a 2-3 and they wouldn't block. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Nice. Yep. So, I'll, uh, I'll put my deck list from, from that deck in the show notes if anybody's interested in it. But it's, it's been going pretty well. I've been having a bit of fun with that. I think, Chewy, you've been putting some companions into your decks as well. Uh, yeah, I've played two different companions, and one of them I actually i have cut. Uh, you know, I tried it, and I went, I think it'd be better if I didn't do it, but I'll uh, talk about the other one first. I've been playing Lurus a little bit. Um, Reese from our Discord posted a, a Black-White Knights deck with, uh, with Lurus as the companion, and, yeah, he's had some good success with it. Uh, I've had sort of... Probably a 50-50 win rate with it if I checked my untapped profile. But uh, quite a grindy, aggressive deck. So an, an aggressive deck that's able to go long because Lyris lets you rebuy, rebuy spells and there are uh, things in the uh, in the deck such as the Black Omen that lets you rebuy Lyris, which then lets you rebuy the uh, next lot of spells or rebuy the uh, the Omen because you can sack it again for a scry. and Yeah, so you can kind of just keep looping your companion and getting value out of it. So it's pretty cool, but uh, sometimes you get those decks that go bigger and you just kind of, you know, wish you had better cards in your deck than... Creatures that cost more than two. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, that's why I moved away from Lurus. Yeah. It was just annoying to not have access to three mana stuff. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And the other one I was playing was uh, Karuga, which is the uh, the dinosaur hippo guy that <laughs> only lets you play um, spells with uh, CMC three or more uh, in a fires shell. And I've actually 
yeah, I, he was fine. You can stay alive by playing uh, Deafening Clarion and the adventure side of Bonecrusher Giant. So you're not, you know, sitting there dying to mono red, not being able to cast any spells. And, you know, doing sort of normal fires things, but uh, adding adding in green. And, um, yeah, it's, um, it was it was okay until I, I kind of got, you know, I got to a point where I wanted to, I felt like he was a little bit win more at times. And I, and I thought, you know, do I actually need this guy? So when he comes into play, you get to draw cards with, uh, you know, draw cards equal to the number of, other CMC three or more, four or more permanents that you have. So, so you, you're like, usually drawing an extra two or three cards. Yeah, but if I've got a Fires of Invention and a Cavalier and a Kenrith, I'm I'm usually winning that game anyway. So drawing those couple of extra cards to get a five four, like sometimes there's a nail in the coffin. Sometimes you just don't need it. So I thought, well, what else could I do um, here to make it a uh, if I took him out, what do I get? So I, I I removed that card and I took out a lot of the white. I'm only splashing white for Kenrith now and I'm playing a full complement of growth spirals and I'm having a lot more fun and a lot more success with the deck now with um, having growth spiral and Uro to, you know, hit that fifth land with your fires uh, a lot faster. And, yeah, it's... um. It's kind of a, a deck I've been working on and tweaking with uh, a little bit, and yeah, it's great. Like you've got Storm's Wrath to 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 sweep the board where you would not used to have Deafening Clarion in Jeskai Fires. You can still cast it on turn three. Um, it hits those Planeswalkers. It's it's really quite good, and um, you have the uh, the Ultimatum. Uh, oh, the draw called? five lands and put them into play. Yeah, yeah, the Genesis Ultimatum, which <laughs> I I think the last. I think I think I was like three out of the last five and three out of the last seven now uh, where literally I'd flip five lands off the top and, and that was a bit of a beating. But <laughs> the, the rest of the time, the, the card just sort of wins the game. And um, I was uh, sharing one of my games on, uh, on Discord the other night. Uh, you were on Joel and it was just... Uh, I, I think Hilarious I had one of each. is what it was. Yeah, massive variance. So sometimes, <laughs> sometimes it's just like... I'm gonna win the game now, and other times it's uh, it's like, oh, that was embarrassing. I probably would have lost anyway if I drew five lands in a row. But yeah, uh, it's a pretty swingy card. But I would say uh, overall, you know, it wins more games and it more often than it draws five lands. I guess, but yeah, nice. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Uh, four color fires. It's awesome. Well, give me the uh, the deck list for that, and I'll put that in the show notes as well. Yep. Uh, okay. I think some no people will be interested in that one. And Chris, you've also been uh, jamming a companion into a deck you've been running previously. I've been playing around with, I think it's Yorion. That's how I'm pronouncing it. <laughs> you can say it however you want. Awesome. So Yor- Yorion Sky Nomad. I'll read out what the card does. So it's a five mana, five mana card. It's got two hybrid Azurius or uh, white, blue, and three generic is the cost. Uh, legendary creature, Bird Serpent. Um, its companion, <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, deck restriction is your deck must contain at least 20 cards more than the minimum deck size. So you have to have a minimum 80 card deck. 
starting deck to play this card. It's a 4-5 flyer, and when Yorion enters the battlefield, exile any number of other non-land permanents you own and control, and return those cards to the battlefield at the beginning of the next end step. So I was already playing around with like an Azurius uh, Blink deck, ones that were playing Tharsa and Agent of Treachery and Charming Princes, that kind of thing. Um, and so this is a bit of an extension of that deck, and I just get to play a heap more fun cards. So I was saying <laughs> earlier, offcast that I, I never had room to be able to fit Teferi's and Elspeth Conquers Death and a whole bunch of other stuff in uh, in my original 60 card Blink deck. But now that I've got 80 cards to play with, I can play all the good cards. So um, <laughs> it's, a, it's a bit of a brew. It's a bit of fun. And I've seen guys like um, uh, Minguchi, I think, has built an Esper version um, of this, which looks uh, awesome as well. Um, but one of the cool things with Yorion is that it will Blink non-land permanence. So unlike Tharsa, where it just blinks creatures, you actually get to bounce and return uh, planeswalkers or enchantments, all that kind of stuff. So when you're playing um, the Elspeth omens- Conquer's death seems pretty good. Yeah, that's it. Um, even, even just the omens, like having, if you play like a Fibblethip and a Charming Prince and a couple of omens in the early turns and you drop this guy, then you end up drawing like four cards and gaining three life and blinking stuff. So there's a bunch of cool stuff you can do and you've got all the sort of- How many lands are you playing in it? Uh, I think my last build had 33, 32. Oh, so. I've seen lists that with the full 40. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's yeah, a I, lot I think of most are running like 34, 35 lands. Yeah, I, I think I had- It's, it's I think so my, hard to know. <laughs> yeah. I, I And my, my list is a complete brew, by the way, that I've been playing with. But um, I think I had 33 and my curve was reasonably low. I was playing a lot of, a lot of two drops- um, and th- like I was playing Fibblethips and Charming Princes and Omen of the Seas and a they bunch all let of- you hit your land drops, I guess. Yeah, so, that's yeah, it. That I, I can scry my way through things and and draw a lot of cards early on, um, and they're fairly expendable. But they're also great if you drop a Yorion and you blink them all. You just get to see so much of your deck. So um, yeah, it's been lots of fun. That's cool. Um, there's all kinds of shenanigans you can get up to. Being able to play around sweepers by you know, playing a, a Charming Prince and blinking your Yorion and it comes back during your end step and then it blinks all of your permanents so nothing gets swept and then they'll come back at the end of your opponent's <laughs> end step and then you get them all back and then you keep playing. So there's um, like there's a bunch protection of co- all over again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's, there's a bunch of shenanigans you can get up to. So um, Hang yeah. on, is Yorion going to go in your... Planeswalker, Your Planeswalker <laughs> commander deck, then Chris. Look, it, seems, it seems horrible, but sure. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, any, any ETB stuff is awesome. I think Manguchi's list was playing like Oath of Kyre and all, all that kind of stuff. So you get yeah, he's tons playing of Doom Foretold and Dance of the Mance and stuff yeah. as well. I think <laughs> yes, <laughs> because right. why not? Yeah, and and I think you could go down the band route as well. Like, there's no reason. There's so many good ETB effects. Uh, on green cards too, like green and blue cards between like Cavalier of Thorns or Uro or whatever, like all of those. I mean, you'd be losing your Uro if you're blinking him, but um, <laughs> did you still get your value? You're getting a lot of value, yeah. So um, yep. yeah, it's a cool card. I plan on playing and brewing with it a lot more. So I take it you're playing all four Agent of Treacheries as well, Chris. Oh yeah, and Tharsa. No, he um, said he had a low curve, so I tipping he's not playing seven drops. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Hang on, I've got 80 cards to play with, so. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's another deck I've come across that's playing four Agent of Treacheries. 
Except it's that uh, Jess guy. Yeah. Oh, yes. I've come across I've this deck a bunch of times. Yeah. <laughs> so this one isn't using a companion, but it is using the premier card for this deck is, is one of the Ikoria cards. It's called Winota, Joiner of I Hate This Deck Forces. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's So Winota, Joiner of Forces is two red and a white. It is a legendary creature human warrior. And it says whenever a non-human creature you control attacks- Look at the top six cards of your library. You may put a human creature card from among them onto the battlefield, tapped and attacking. It gains indestructible until end of turn. Put the rest of the cards on the bottom of your library in a random order. So, the first time I came across this deck, I was playing, is it Flash, right? Which I made some tweaks to and I was having some fun. And my opponent on the end of turn three went, Flash in, raise the alarm. So, they made two 1-1 white soldiers and I was like, okay. You got it, buddy. You can have your one ones. And then yep. they, they untapped, <laughs> slammed Winoda, attacked me, and then they put two Asian of Treacheries into play, which were indestructible and stole all my stuff. Yeah, that's that's exactly what happened to me. <laughs> so good. How are the raise the alarm tokens not uh human not soldiers? Just, they're, yeah, just they're just soldiers. soldiers. Yeah. So that- I tell me about it. it was to- and I was just like, what the hell just happened to me? <laughs> yeah. I had no idea what was going on. So I lost to that deck last night when they put Agent of Treachery on top of their library before they attacked with Scheming Symmetry. Nice. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, I, I went and got a uh, a Storm's Wrath uh, and was able to, to clean things up, but, you know, it, it cost me a couple of lands and, you know, they, uh, yeah, end up still losing that game through their just, you know, huge value turn. But, yeah, they're playing uh, sort of, yeah, Splashing Black for I saw I, something died to a... Um, Heartless Act. So, yes, some removal and a, and a tutor. So, yeah, I was like, what is going on? And then I, I remembered your experience, Cracker, and I, yeah, I reckon I read from top to bottom every piece of text on uh, Raise the Alarm trying to find that somehow these <laughs> these, are, these are humans because, right. yeah. Yeah, I've, I've seen that deck a bunch and, yeah, they're using things like uh, the – what's oh, – I've completely blanked on its name – the Goblin – with mentor that creates a one war one, boss. yeah, goblin war boss, that's legion the one. war boss, legion war boss, <laughs> yep, uh, to create tokens and yeah, raise the alarms and other token generators. But then all the actual creatures, yeah, Chandra, in their deck. acolyte of flame as well. So they're yeah, making yeah. hasty elementals, yeah, makes to, elementals. To, to, yep. So put my brewer's hat on for a second. Can can I put Emrakul into play in modern? Yes. Oh yeah, pretty cool. No, okay. you, no, you. You're putting a human into play. Oh, it's a human into oh, play. Yeah, you're putting a human, human, human attack. Yeah. When a non-human attacks, you're putting a okay. human into play. Okay. Yeah, I did that completely wrong yesterday. They've got the um, a couple of event decks up at the moment where you can play them for free. And one of them is a red-white like cycling deck. And so, I was like, oh, sweet. I've got Winota. I'll cycle the dude who makes like one ones every time you cycle and then I'll attack and get all these triggers and they were all humans. And I was like, oh, what is this? This is like just <laughs> Nombo City and my my dudes all died and I gave up. <laughs> so, good advice. Yeah. Read the cards. Yes. Yeah, very nah, much so. About it. But yeah, I've, I've just been mostly just sticking with mono red. I've, I've been finding there's so many people trying to jam these crazy decks with companions and all sorts of stuff. And mono red, I basically have not changed my list at all. I don't think it picked up anything other than a couple of sideboard cards. And uh, yeah, just still still smashing it and got me up into platinum. So, is that the first time you've uh, hit platinum? No, nah, I've, I've been in diamond before. Oh, okay. Yeah, but uh, haven't haven't been in platinum for ages. 
But uh, yeah, if you're if you're someone who's been jamming the mono red because that's all you can afford with your wild cards, then yeah, feel free to keep jamming it because it's still pretty solid, especially in best of one. It's uh, yeah, you get those games done quickly and make your way up the ladder. So uh, yeah, we we've definitely seen the companion mechanic take a hold, not just on standard. Seems to have been taking a hold of uh, or taking over some other formats as well. Cracker, I think you've got a tweet there from Brian. From, Brian, uh, got me from arena, arena deck lists that uh, that yeah. sort of lists out some some event <laughs> results from last weekend. Yeah, so first and second in the vintage challenge. So companions in in the sideboards of all these all these decks, right? So first and second in the vintage challenge, first through fourth in the legacy challenge, the entire top eight of the modern challenge, first through fourth in the pioneer. Pioneer Challenge, and then six of the eight slots in the Standard Challenge. So these are all like um, MTGO events that run um, like weekly or bi-weekly. They're not messing around. These are like, you know, serious grinders and, and serious players who are, who are doing these things. Um, look, part of it will be a, a recency bias, right? You can see some pretty nutty things going on there. Or, But also, um, it turns out that Lurus and LED in Legacy is just like a Turn one infinite <laughs> mana combo. <laughs> so there, there's some pretty nutty things going on there. I mean, look, the the sky is falling because it's magic and just Twitter or Reddit or wherever you you consume your magic content from. But they're certainly very strong and making a, a big impact all across the board. So who knows how this will play out? I'm not going to make any predictions. Because they'll be wrong. But, um, <laughs> no, come on, Cracker. You got to make a bold prediction. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah. Hot, hot take. Uh, okay. Uh, they will not ban them for ages. Yeah. I think. And, and then eventually people will tilt off so hard that wizards will be like, oh, okay. Sorry. It was a mistake. And then my, okay. Here's my hot prediction. Right. You ready for this one? This one's just off the top of my head. Haven't seen it anywhere. We're going to have Teferi Companions in Core 2021. <laughs> Planeswalker Companions. And I'm quitting you Magic. You here first. <laughs> We're going to look yeah. back at Elks with fondness. <laughs> yeah, right. And it's going to have a static ability that says uh, it's it's um, Aura of Silence. So, you can only cast one spell per turn and they don't even have to cast it. <laughs> there you go. And we're moving on. <laughs> any any excuse for Joel to bash Teferi, I tell you what. Yeah, uh, yeah. Card tilts me so hard. Yep. So yeah, we are we are seeing a lot of the companions, but like you said, Cracker, I think a lot of it might be it's the new new mechanic in in set. So let's just throw it in wherever we can. And I think a lot of people have probably just gone, well, this companion, its restriction fits in with this deck that I've already got. I might as well just put it in my sideboard and just have access to an extra card, whether it's a deck that's specifically built around that companion or not. So. I'm tipping over the next month or so that it will start to average out and we won't see them quite as much. And then, yeah, people will stop complaining that the sky's falling. But, yeah, I don't know either. I'm not, I'm not going to make a, uh, a firm prediction on what's going to happen, but we'll see. Either way, they've been a bit of fun so far, so we'll uh, we'll keep playing them. Yeah, it's a it's an interesting mechanic and, you know, there's a subset of the magic community that likes to grumble about things and, um, you know, they've got things to grumble about at the moment. So, uh, there's a lot of that going on, but, you know, wizards don't design things, don't design things in a new sets with, you know, vintage and legacy in mind. <laughs> no. So they'll, they'll just ban them if they feel the need to. So 
Uh, I'm comfortable with that. I think it's a good strategy. The one thing that is interesting, though, in vintage with Lurus, vintage doesn't have a a ban list. Uh, it don't. It the only cards that are banned in in vintage are for specific reasons like dexterity cards and things like that. Everything else gets put on the restriction list, so you can only play one of one copy of that card. But when you're talking about a companion, you're only playing one copy of that card anyway. So that might be an interesting thing. Not that it makes any difference for any sort of competitive play, but how do they handle if they were going to go, okay, we're going to ban one of these companions in vintage. It would be the first time that they're actually banning something for power level in vintage. So that could be interesting. But like I I said, it makes no difference to us. Given the power of cards in vintage, I would be really, really surprised if- if, if, if you know a three mana three two with life link, uh, <laughs> it's the fact you get Lotus every turn. Yeah, it's, it's, oh, I know, it's, I know it's, that. It's but Lotus is already restricted. So I, what, so to ban Lurus but not ban Lotus just seems absolutely ludicrous. You know, if you're banning something on power level, right? So the most powerful Magic card ever printed versus a three mana three two with life link. It just that that would be a really. I'm not saying it won't happen, but I'm saying it'll be a an insane um, situation for that to happen. Yeah, they'll ban it on gameplay interactions rather than power level if yeah. they were to do anything. But anyway, anyway, we're we're not a vintage podcast, so we are not. <laughs> and none of us. I don't think any of us have even played a game of vintage. So let's just. I, let's I've move played on many, many games oh, that's of right, vintage. Yeah, you have, Chewy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, but yeah, it's a. Um, it's a little while ago. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, we're a vintage podcast in the sense that we are all old. <laughs> yes. <laughs> all right. So we thought, seeing as we finally got Chris back on the podcast, we'd have a bit of a chat about w- how things are going in the finance world for Magic. Uh, we've mentioned a few times on this cast already that we're starting to see changes with no actual paper tournaments going on. So... Chris, do you want to give us a bit of a rundown on what you've been seeing in terms of pricing and and a bit of advice for people on what they should be doing? Sure. So, I haven't been paying a huge amount of attention to this personally, just as a disclaimer right off the bat, but- (laughs) Chris, you're not meant to say that. You're our expert. Come on. (laughs) No. um, The the biggest trend I'm seeing at the moment is people people who are actually finance focused aren't focusing on paper stuff and they're focusing on Modo. Um, And I'm talking about specifically the finance people. But if we're talking about paper cards specifically- the general trend is there hasn't actually been like this massive tank in the market. There was all this speculation, people getting really concerned that, oh, you know, my paper cards are just going to lose all their value. I haven't actually seen a huge drop off. There's been some moderate declines, but if you look at just the general pricing of cards and standard legal sets and that kind of thing, um, pricings remain pretty standard, actually. It's been quite okay. And in fact, there's still been a lot of a lot of movement and a lot of spiking cards, primarily driven at the moment by EDH, um, like Commander. So there seems to be what what we've seen is a bit of a trend with people in isolation who are electing to just start getting together and playing Commander or building Commander decks in lieu of being able to hit up competitive Magic events, or maybe for people who aren't already invested in Modo. So we're actually seeing a huge amount of um, commander card spiking has been the um, the biggest trend, I suppose, in general. Yeah, right. I mean, yeah, commander has always, or the last few years, commander's played quite a big impact on pricing of cards. Oh, definitely. Like it's 
I mean, you, you look back at cards like Smothering Tithe and it's like it's a, a standard, a latest set standard rare that doesn't see plain standard, but is one of the most expensive cards in the set. <laughs> like, yeah, <right. laughs> it's only Commander. Um, so th there's, there's been tons of trends like that. And you see that with, I mean, even more recent sets, the, some of the most expensive cards like Nyx Bloom Ancient and um, Shadow Spear, like that's really just Commander demand and that's where the expense is at. And you can see similar trends with um, Ikoria as well. Yeah, with the, the Trilands in Ikoria, I'm sure the uh, Commander players be all over those. Yeah. So do you think if if the situation that we're, the world is in, uh, in particular the US, uh, kind of continues and the, the way that the... The, uh, the virus is trending in the US where it's still trending up quite steeply. Uh, do you think the price hold and, and the increases that we're seeing will continue? Or do you think there'll come a point, you know, where, you know, there hasn't been a paper magic tournament for, for six months or, or, or whatever the threshold is where you'll start to see a drop and be a great time to swoop in and buy some scolding tarns or some noble hierarchs? <laughs> uh, that would be nice. <laughs> Look, Save I, some for the rest of his business. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, I think for the paper market, I think prices, and this is just my feel, is I think paper prices will probably remain pretty stagnant. I, I, I don't think we're going to see major price spikes outside of stuff like commander cards. Um, I think paper prices will be fairly flat, um, if not have a bit of a decline, if we're not seeing a return to normality you know where we can all get back and start playing paper magic yeah the, the interesting thing at the moment is the prices haven't tanked but you know it, it just depends on how things pan out over the next few months um, magic is like a luxury item i suppose you could call it that like it's not a it's not a required expense for people it's <laughs> whoa yeah. whoa magic is an essential service man i don't know what you're talking about what do i mean i'm on a magic podcast um, <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> What are your thoughts? What are your thoughts, Chris, on the delay in Ikoria coming out? And uh, you know, we've seen you know in Japan and uh, a couple of other places where the paper set has been released. The uh, the Trilands and and some other chase cards are quite expensive. Is that that's just a supply and demand thing, or do you think? People will be reluctant to, you know, flock to their their local game stores for paper pre-releases in, um, you know, fear of, you know, uh, getting crook. That means sick for our non-Australian uh, business. <laughs> uh, do you so? Do you think there'll be less of a, a Coria in paper sold, and therefore those prices will be uh, high, or do you think people will just be, you know, it's a cool set and people will just buy it and it won't really be affected. Yeah, it's probably a bit, a bit from column A and a bit from column B, I think. But certainly, if you look at the dynamics at the moment with Ikoria, because it's only been released in paper in Asia, people who just really want the cards are going to be paying a premium for them at the moment. So if we're talking about good times to buy Ikoria, it's definitely not now. <laughs> it's just that the dynamics are way out. Um, there's just not enough supply in the market and... Um, people who want cards will have to pay a huge premium for them. Usually, as a, a general principle, the best time to jump in and start looking at cards for a set is when there's peak supply. And that's usually within the first anywhere from one to three or four weeks after the set has been released, when tons of product is being open, it's been drafted heaps. That's usually when you see pretty good prices. Well, that, that, actually, that's, that's an interesting point there. Like this set 
probably won't get drafted very often. Yeah. Like it's 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 highly likely that there won't I'd be say that at all men. Yeah, it's highly likely there won't be a physical draft of this set before the next set comes out. So that's got to have a drastic effect on how many cards are actually out there. Yeah, yeah, you're not going to have that sort of FNM influx of people coming into stores, drafting, selling cards back to the store, stores being able to, you know, resell cards to people who need them. Um, product's just not going to get opened as much. So, yeah, it'll be it'll be an interesting dynamic. I think the people who are really keen to collect and just get the cards will get them anyway and they'll buy them, i.e. me. Um, but... <laughs> Yeah, outside of that, I think we're, we're entering into a pretty uncertain economic time and I think people, rightly so, are going to be either putting some money aside and or, you know, being a little bit more conservative with their spending for non-essentials like magic. So, um, yeah, potentially. For me personally, like I've mentioned before, that every set that comes out, I normally buy a, a, a booster box and a bundle. That's just the standard thing that I do. And I usually source that from Chris who sources it from someone who, who knows where they come from, but they just turn up in his boot and I go and pick one up. <laughs> Make him sound dodgy, man. It's <laughs> <laughs> fell off the back of a truck. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know where, where his sources are, but they're, they're just there somehow. But, uh, he knows a guy. Yeah. It's funny how the, the six foot 400 kilo dude <laughs> managed to get good prices on things. I don't, <laughs> yeah. I don't know what's going on there. Yeah. Firstly, <laughs> I wish I was 100 kilos, but. Uh, <laughs> the, the short, dodgy looking guy buys things out of the back of someone's boot. Yeah. 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 Come, come see my contraband. <laughs> I, I picture Shorty like opening up his jacket and there'd be like boosters lined in instead of Rolexes. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I'm, I was a bit. I'm a bit unsure, and I still haven't decided if I will even buy a box for this set because I just I don't know when I'm going to get to play Paper Magic again, and and it's kind of like, oh, do I really want to put this money that I may need in a couple of months' time into cards that I may never use? So I'm, yeah. I'm assuming there's going to be a lot of people in a similar boat to that. Yeah, definitely. I will buy unless my financial position changes so i'm one of the lucky ones who whose employment has not been affected by the the situation you know my job is uh is still ongoing and i'm actually spending less money because i can't you know go out for dinner and stuff so i will 100% buy uh whether it's this product or or the next set that comes out uh from my local game store because you know they are hurting at the moment so psa you know still support your local game store where you can and if that means buying product and i think shorty mentioned on a previous cast maybe give them a call and purchase some store credit now and then you know cash that in on some Acoria boosters or a box so those game stores can actually survive so that's my little community announcement. So please, yeah, support your local game store in any way you can. Yeah, yep. for sure. Cool. All right. So we thought we'd uh, give a quick update on where we're at with our league. So we're most of the way through this league, uh, the April league that we've been running. And as we've mentioned previously, I've been smashing everybody and uh, I've locked myself into into the finals <laughs> with a... <laughs> Solid five and one record, so I'm sitting pretty on the top of Group A. But uh, we also have Child Rebel Walker, who made it into the finals in our previous league, on the top of Group B with a four and one record. So they've only got one match left to play. But uh, yeah, there's still still a few matches left to play. I know you guys are planning on getting some done over the next few days. I think you've still got a few left to to go. And Cracker, you're still in a good position to make it into the the top two of our bracket. You can yeah. come and join me. Three and one at the minute. Yeah, yeah. 
But, uh, yeah, quick shout-out to Daniel. We've got a, a, someone from Indianapolis over in the States who uh, just sort of recently got, gotten into Arena. We've had a few chats with Daniel. He's a top bloke from, uh, from over in the States. And, uh, yeah, managed to lock up the wooden spoon already with, uh, with a 0-6 record. But, uh, yeah, we'll definitely be having something for him to, uh, to console him for his quality effort in this first league that he's participated in. So this league will wrap up uh, around the end of April or the start of May, and then we're planning on streaming the actual finals. So we're not going to lock in any details just yet, but we will be streaming the finals. Most likely it will be either that weekend, so the first weekend of, of May or the weekend after. We'll stream all the the matches and some of us will commentate over it, not me because I'll be playing in the finals. So maybe oh. uh, maybe Chewy. After you lose in top four, you can, uh, you can stream the finals. <laughs> LSV first style, right? LSV style, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So I'm, yeah. I'm just the same as LSV. Yeah, that's that's what I took out of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely. Look, own it, man, own it. Yep, Look, yep. your record speaks for itself. <laughs> you know, I'm drawing so many parallels between your career and space. All right, so yeah, keep an eye out for that. We will be there. Will be another cast before the league ends, so we can announce when that's going to happen. But yeah, as always, we will be running more of these leagues. So definitely come and join us in our Discord to to get in on those and. Uh, while you're on the cast, Chris, let's just uh, give give you a bit of a rev up to get on there and get your matches done as well, because I think you've still got a few to play. Yeah, I've got a couple. I'll jump on. <laughs> public shaming. That's that's how we go on this podcast. <laughs> Peer pressure and public shaming. It's uh, it's uh, what keeps the keeps the world turning. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the last thing we wanted to announce, if you've listened to it already, we had a an episode that came out last week. So we've currently had three episodes in a row, one per week, and we'll be announcing that we will be going to a weekly format. So this is massive. This is, yeah, it's, it's pretty big. So we, we sort of mentioned for those who've listened to this cast since the start, we've spent a lot of time talking about how time poor we are with our, our families and busy lives and things like that. And, and despite the isolation and all that sort of stuff that's going on at the moment, we're all still quite busy. So we still can't really do weekly episodes. That's It's not really feasible that we can actually commit to that. But we had a bit of a brainstorming session and, and one of the things we came up with was pre-recording episodes. We've talked about it plenty of times that we have a huge list of topics that we want to get through to help educate you guys. And when we first started this cast, that was our goal. It was to have a, a topic per week that uh, that we could talk about and, and hopefully put out a bit of knowledge out there for, for people to uh, hopefully improve their games. So we've managed to boil down our list and have a whole bunch of stuff that we've realized is not actually time sensitive in, in that it doesn't have to be released and, and recorded specifically that week, they're more evergreen topics, which is a, a term that's definitely used in magic. And uh, yeah, we thought well, what we can do is we can pre-record these episodes and then we can release them on a, uh, on a uh, alternative fortnightly basis to our regular podcast. So we've got a few already recorded and, and edited and ready to go. So as of next week, We'll be releasing our first one and then, yeah, we'll be alternating our weeks between doing this 
podcast that we're doing like we're doing right now and then the the opposite week will be a pre-recorded episode so they may not always be as long as this one and and this episode has gone quite long already so we're going to wrap it up pretty soon but uh yeah it'll be something for you so you're getting a little bit of content from us each and every week so i'm pretty excited about that i think you guys are too yeah it's been fun to do yep yeah Yeah, i've I've enjoyed it and i think we've got some some good content some good advice and a lot of nonsense. <laughs> yeah, well, there's, there's always there's all yeah. Have you seen that, that meme where like God's creating oh, someone? Transcendence. The, 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 the <laughs> nonsense is it's like the cap came. So, off. Shorty, what was that about? <laughs> wrapping up the show. <laughs> yes. All right. So we will do the wrap up now. So yeah, as as always, we want to remind you to come and jump in our Discord. That is the place where we communicate the most uh, with all the the listeners out there. We we really enjoy it. We're all on there every day. And it is really good to get to know a whole bunch of you. Uh, and yeah, like, like we've done in the past, we've streamed our games into Discord and people jump on and have a chat. So it's, it's always great fun. So definitely come and join us. The link for that is always in our show notes or you can find it on our Twitter and those sorts of things. And that's how you get access to join in for our, uh, our leagues that we're running as well. So come and join us in there. If you do need to purchase some paper cards, go and check out mtgcardsales.com.au and use the code BEANS15 to get a 15% discount and so that they know that you're a listener of us. That'll definitely help us out. You can find us on YouTube and Facebook uh, and also Twitch. You just look up uh, Magic Beans Cast or Magic Beans Podcast. You'll find us on there. And, uh, yeah, find us on Twitter at Magic Beans Cast. So if you want to get a hold of me, I'm on Twitter. I'm at Peace Inc. Chewy, you are? At Joel is a jerk. I mean, at Chewy MTG. <laughs> <laughs> uh, at Joel Cracker, you are? <laughs> at Joel Hill underscore. And Chris, do you remember what yours is? Uh, yeah, I am at Polywaffle MTG. <laughs> Very good. All right, so that's going to wrap us up this week. Thank you, as always, for listening. Stay safe out there, and we will see you next time. 